Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, we got all your mailbag questions all answered 100% correctly or your money back. But we're going to discuss a lot about, of course, the playoffs, the NFL, the Buccaneers, and the Rams on Sunday at Raymond James Stadium in the divisional playoff game. And let me just start off by saying this before we get to your questions. It's really interesting. You know, I, I'm, I'm on Twitter because I do Twitter, and we, we ask you to submit your questions that way and all of that. Um, very difficult time of year for Bucks fans because – they kind of run the gamut of, you know, no one's going to beat us to, oh, my God, we're never going to win. We're never going to – how are we going to beat this Rams team that just demolished the Arizona Cardinals? And and I – and Steve and I, we talked about this before the podcast. Like, there's only eight teams left. Like, one of these teams is the Super Bowl champion, right? And I don't mean for last year. I mean for, for this season, right, for 2021 season, 22, 22 playoffs. Like, they're right, they're right there. They're in that group, right? And four of them – are in the NFC and four of them are in the AFC and and you're going to have to beat the other teams to actually get and and you know to the Super Bowl and win it. So there's no cupcakes now. Like the Philadelphia game and you know and I I sat here on the podcast and I said, "Well, you know, they're a different team. They run the ball well. Their weather could be a fact. Eh, yeah, forget all that. Eh. It was just, you know, it it was it, it was a team that would not have made the playoffs until they expanded them to 14. We see why. Right, um, Tampa Bay back in in bygone days would have had a bye week the first week, and essentially it kind of was, except they got Tristan Wirfs hurt, which stinks. Um, if you're the Bucks, but other than that, like, look at the teams that are left. Right, Steve, we talked about it. I mean, coaches and quarterbacks; these are all very capable of winning the Super Bowl type of teams. Well, let's see. Seven of the eight divisional winners are still standing. There you o- go. Only the Cowboys won their division and didn't advance. How about them Cowboys? I mean, you're talking Green Bay, Tampa Bay, L.A., San Francisco. All four, mm-hmm. you from the beginning of the year, would have said capable of winning the Super Bowl. Absolutely. San Francisco may have been the outlier just because you're not 100% confident on the quarterback. Correct. In, in the AFC, it's Tennessee, it's Kansas City, it's Buffalo, and Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a surprise one, but if yep. you watch them all year, you go, yeah, they can win the Super Bowl. With with one of the the most outstanding young quarterbacks we've seen in years in mm-hmm. Joe Burrow, who 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 will you know take your soul as they say. Yeah, I mean you know so you, you look at the teams left and you're like, yeah, every single one of these can win the Super Bowl. If if no you're push. not worried about the opponent, then then the NFL's got a problem. If you're down to the <laughs> final eight and you've got teams, you're like, yeah, that's no problem, that's easy. Then you yeah. got then the NFL's got a problem. But when you get to this level of the playoffs. And we always talk about it. I mean, you and I mentioned it before the podcast. Normally this week is the overreaction week of, oh, my God, this week. team just won in the wild card weekend and they could win the Super Bowl. They're, yeah. they're definitely going to win the Super Bowl because traditionally the top two teams from each conference didn't play last weekend. It's they, always, oh, don't want to play those guys. Boy, you don't want to play those guys. Yeah, but you didn't get to seeds one and two yet. Now, seeds two played this this week and they destroyed seed seven, both of them. 
Kansas City so, destroyed Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay destroyed Philly. Mm-hmm. Both seven seeds, mm-hmm. you could argue, didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. You look at their season, right. look at the record, everything else. But when you're at this level, every team should worry you in the fact that you don't get to this level if you're not good, period. Including the the Bucks should be worrying every team that's playing them. No question. And, and listen, I mean, I you know, Sean McVay's a confident coach, a great play caller. They went and got Matthew Stafford. They struggled down the stretch. Um, you know, they've made they, you know, they've had some injuries, obviously. They got Odo Beckham Jr. now. Um, you know, you picked up on Miller. I mean, they've done things sort of what the Bucks did a year ago to try to fortify their offense and their defense. And the fact of the matter is, is that Stafford was wobbly down the stretch. He threw a lot of interceptions. Um, you know, they they obviously uh, could have had this game in L.A., like I said, and, and you know, they, they take on a Cardinals team without DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Kyler Murray doesn't play well. Terrible game plan. The, the, you know, the Cardinals have, you know, been bad the last seven games. I think they lost five out of seven or four out of six, whatever it was. Uh, and, and, you know, they beat the tar out of them like, like they should have. Um, uh, but it doesn't mean that the Rams are not a flawed team or that, you know, because they beat the Bucks in week three, Neither team is the same as they were in week three, and there's very little about that that would carry over. If that were true, like like we talked about, Steve, is that you know the Bucks lost twice to the New Orleans Saints a year ago, and I mean not by a little bit. They got they got shellacked by the Saints. They got beat by them twice this year as well. But then they went into New Orleans, and what happened? You know, it, the the Bucks path last year, while there were no fans, and and I can appreciate the fact that you know it's, it'd be a lot tougher to do it on the road the way they did a year ago. Um, but it wasn't easy, you know, Washington gave them fits and then they go to new Orleans. They knock off a, a, you know, a hall of fame quarterback in his final year, uh, in, you know, at that dome in new Orleans against a team that had beaten them twice already. Uh, then, you know, I mean, and then after that, you know, it got even tougher having to go to green Bay. I mean, in Lambeau field with the possible weather conditions being bad again, you know, only 9,000 people making a hell of a lot of noise, but, all the expectations, Aaron Rodgers and the NFC Championship for the second year in a row, this time in Lambeau. And they take down the Packers just to get to the Super Bowl, which granted it was Raymond James, but it wasn't really a home crowd per se. Um, 25,000 people. You take on a Kansas City team that had won the Super Bowl the year before, uh, and, you, and you take them down. I mean, the path to winning a Super Bowl, by the time you get through it, you will have earned it, folks. There's a reason why they have the boat parades and they drink all that alcohol <laughs> because it's a hell of an accomplishment, man, and only one team gets to win. So, you know, all these people, it's just funny to me. It's like all these people are like, ooh, I don't know. You know what? And you're right, Steve. Like the Rams, short week, 30-something hours behind the Bucks in preparation, in healing, whatever injuries they may have acquired. Then they got to fly across the country um, and and play a, a game in a different you know, three time zones away at three o'clock in the afternoon, which is like noon to them. You know, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot that people fear about the Bucks too. Not to mention the quarterback. Uh, well, everyone. I mean, if you're not fearing Tom Brady in the playoffs, right? Then you you know I I mean that factor alone almost makes your team <laughs> more fearful than whatever opponent the Bucks may be up against, because you're going against the guy who's won more playoff games in almost every franchise in the NFL, who has more Super Bowl mm-hmm. rings than anyone else, has more Super Bowl appearances than anyone else by a long shot. I mean, he's going for his, what, eighth Super Bowl ring this year? Eight. Eight. And he'd be going to his 11th, his 11th Super Bowl in 21 seasons. I mean, come on. 
that's just ridiculous. Just incredible. It, it's, I mean, the accolades and the numbers, and we've talked about these, and you know, it's just how far he is ahead of every other quarterback numbers wise. I mean, it's not even. I close. saw one today. One of my favorite ones today, and I don't have the exact number. I'd have to look it up, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you in the get you in the ballpark. So Troy Aikman, Hall of Fame career, right? Three Super Bowl titles, mm-hmm. hell of a quarterback. You know, won a lot of games, threw a lot of touchdowns. In his entire career, his entire Hall of Fame career, let's say, whatever the touchdown number, I think it was around 177, somewhere in there. Um, whatever his career total of touchdown passes were, Tom Brady has thrown in his 40s. <laughs> Come on. Like, he had – no, it's true. I looked at it and went, wait, that can't be right. Tom Brady has thrown as many touchdown passes in his 40s as Troy Aikman did in his entire Hall of Fame three Super Bowl winning career. That's how stupid this is. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you know, I mean, like you come up with these numbers and you go, that can't, oh my God, it's true, you know? Um, so yeah, this time of year, I promise you that the L.A. Rams and Raheem Morris are not taking it uh, too lightly. By the way, congratulations to Raheem Morris, who's going to get an interview for a head coaching job with the Minnesota Vikings. Really happy for him. Yeah, Hope absolutely. he gets it. I think he deserves it. Um, done a hell of a job everywhere he's been, and you know he was 32 years old. Don't hold it against the, you know, the absolute train wreck that he took over uh, with the Bucks back in the day. But well, and they weren't spending uh, money nice for job. him either. Zero. They they gutted the team. Mm-hmm. They gutted the team. They said you have no money for free agency. Go get him, Tiger. Here's here's Josh Freeman as your quarterback. Or actually, it was, you know, more like Byron Leftwich and one of the McCowns as your quarterbacks, and then Josh Johnson, and then Josh Freeman. But you know, in you know, first year was a disaster. Second year, won ten, went ten and six, and was four and two the next year until the wheels fell off. But um, I'd love to see him get him. Hey, uh, while we're talking about. Sporting events, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete's coming up, 18th annual. It's presented by RP Funding. It happens this year, February 25th to the 27th, so a little earlier on the calendar. Uh, the temporary circuit, it's a 1.8-mile, 14-turn configuration. This is really cool, down through the streets of St. Petersburg, circling Pioneer Park, uh, the Duke Energy Center for the Arts, the Dali Museum, and then it extends all the way on the runways at Albert Whitted Airport. So, I know you guys have been to this race. If you haven't, don't miss it. Visit uh, gpstpete.com. That's gpstpete.com for race information and tickets. All right, so we got some uh, exciting mailbag questions. Answered 100% correctly, as always. Let's get to them. We'll start with Ellis, who tweeted us. With how handily the Rams beat the obviously outmatched Cardinals, the narrative all week could be that the Bucks stand little to no chance of beating the Rams. Do you think this could be advantageous to the Buccaneers heading into Sunday? Well, I mean, I think, you know, first of all, they're favored as far as Las Vegas goes, so it'll be hard to play the underdog role. Um, but I have watched the, you know, the talking head shows this Tom, week. Tom Brady plays the underdog so role every day with, with himself. <laughs> he, does, he absolutely does. Um, he will find somebody sliding him, and, and, and there's no – for whatever reason, whether it's Brady fatigue, whether it's, you know uh, – Pull on the Superman's cape. I don't. This time of year, it's it's very um, common for people to say, "No, no, no. This is the year 
that Tom Brady's going to get his. He can't go back to back. He can't do that. That's all he needs to hear. Um, but a lot of people, and I think I think they're guilty of recency bias. I mean, the last playoff game we saw was Monday night. It was an absolute, you know, knocker fest. I mean, they just, you know, they they creamed the, the Arizona Cardinals. Stafford threw four touchdowns. He wasn't asked to throw the ball much because they had such a big lead, uh, including the pick six that, that Murray threw. Um, you know, the defense got after Murray because they were one-dimensional and um, not very good. And, and, you know, it was a poorly coached game. They just weren't prepared to play the playoffs. So everybody's like, wow, the Rams, juggernaut. They play like that, no one can beat them. And you know what? That's probably true. Problem is they're not playing the Arizona Cardinals again. You know, they're not playing them at SoFi either. Okay. So everything changes. And, you know, I can understand, you know, sort of why, um, you know, people look at the Rams as a favorite. They're really not a favorite. I think the last spread I saw was like three, three and a half, I think, for Tampa. Um, And you figure they're at home, so that's already a bit of an advantage. But that line could move. There's no question about it. And, And it will move if they find out that Tristan Wirfs uh, or Ryan Jensen, or one of the offensive linemen can't play. That's, you know, it's it's a tough... Listen, this offensive line thing is real. I mean, we saw it, you know, absolutely cripple the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl a year ago. Um, there's no reason to expect it wouldn't hurt these guys. I do know that Brady got the ball out of his hand the fastest of any quarterback this year in this last game, 2.17 seconds. So I don't care if you're Aaron Donald. I don't care if you're Vaughn Miller. I don't care if you're Leonard Floyd. It doesn't matter because 2.17 is not enough to get Brady on the ground. It just isn't, unless somebody just says, we're not blocking you on this play. So, you know, Brady is is going to find his his way to attack these guys, and, and um, you know, whoever's, who's ever protecting him, he'll be wary of that. Um, but, you know, I, I think if I were Tom Brady watching any TV programs or listening to anything today, all I would have heard is, yeah, this Rams team, they're they're, you know, they beat them earlier in the year and they're really playing well and look what they did to the Cardinals and the Bucks are beat up. So the narrative is already there. It really is. It's already there to say Bucks don't have much of a chance. This is where it ends for them, right? And that's all Tom Brady needs. You know, that in just a couple film sessions as Bruce Arians is fond of saying, once he figures you out, you're in trouble. Um and I believe that. And I you know, there's something about this time of year, uh, and Brady doesn't care who he's playing with. He doesn't care who's not playing. He's going to go out there, and he's going to put the puzzle together, and he's going to find a way to get his team in a position to win the game, whether it's by one point, no points, whether they win by scoring 30 or 13. Um, he's the greatest winner of all time. And so, uh, you know, I, I just I, – I think they will use every bulletin board material they can find I think when Sean McVay gets around to talking or the Rams get around to talking, they're not going to be very boastful. Um, they're going to be respectful of the world champs. But um, the Bucks know who they're playing. You know, they played them. They've been on the grass with them. They, they understand they're a good football team. You know, that's the game that Gronk got hurt in out there at SoFi. A lot of things went wrong. Really, the game changed. We'll talk about it this week, I'm sure, is that, you know, that, that was a one-score game at halftime. Uh, the Rams got the ball to start the second half. The first two plays uh, after the touchback was they absolutely stoned them. It was third and ten. Third and ten coming out of the halftime, and it looks like the Bucks are going to get the ball back in good field position down a score. And they turned loose Deshaun Jackson, who isn't even with the Rams anymore. He's with the Raiders. But they turned Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson loose on a play-action play, and it went for 75 yards and a touchdown. That was the game. 
you know, that changed everything about the game. They wound up losing 34-24, I think. Um, and, um, you know, Gronk going down obviously was a big, a big factor. And it was, it was also week three. I mean, you know, they weren't exactly in sync on either side of the ball. They had injuries already to their secondary. Sean Murphy Bunting was out at that point. I think they had another player down. So, you know, um, long time ago. And, and it doesn't matter. Like, none of that matters for either team. Just like it didn't matter when Philadelphia came down here. You know, we talked about, well, uh, you know, in that October 14th game, uh, the Eagles weren't running the ball. The Eagles' offense was atrocious, and they were throwing it. And, yeah, it got close at the end. But this is a different Eagles team. This is a different eh, – you know, it didn't matter what happened on October 14th. Um, the Bucks didn't have Chris Godwin. They didn't have Antonio Brown like they did in Philadelphia. They did have Rob Gronkowski. Um, and, you know, instead you saw them getting, you know, gutted by, you know, guys like Keyshawn Vaughn and Giovanni Bernard and, you know, um, you know, so different cast of characters, obviously. Uh, but the team, you know, the Bucks still got it done and got it done in much easier fashion than they did up in Philadelphia because, and this is not a small thing, like I can't, like over the weekend, the only home team that lost was the Dallas Cowboys. The only ones. How about them Cowboys? Well, they're the only home team that lost. Playoffs in the NFL with fans, home field means a lot. It really does. It really, really does. When Matthew Stafford goes to the line of scrimmage and it's a tie game or he's trailing, he's going to have a tough time communicating. And that crowd is going to get that defense fired up. And it's hard to play uh, in those conditions when, you know, 75,000 people. And it won't be like, you know, when you had a bunch of Eagle fans in here, or Bills fans. I mean, I, I don't think that the Rams are going to travel their fans the way other teams have. It'll be a, a largely predominantly Bucks crowd that'll be even louder than it was a week ago. And, um, you know, that should be to the Bucks' advantage. So, uh, but they will play the underdog role. They will look for, for reasons why, you know, everybody thinks they're going to lose. Um, but in the end, none of that matters. It's what you do. It's, it's not even the best team, right? The best team doesn't always win. It's the team that plays the best that day. It's the team that executes the best that day. The team that doesn't make mistakes and turnovers and penalties on that day and nothing else really matters and i think the bucks will be prepared all right john tweeted in almost every bucks loss since brady arrived the common theme has been to put pressure on him that leads to errors and sacks the rams have done it twice in two seasons what can the bucks do differently in spite of these matchup problems well i think one of the things you can do is not get behind um you know in both in both those games particularly two years ago i remember um, it was Jared Goff, and he came out, and they threw it 50 times. And the Bucks got behind the Rams. They got behind Kansas City 17 to nothing in those two games. And both those games ended up being field goal games. Um, you don't want to have to be one-dimensional. You don't want to have to throw the ball you know, 45 times with Brady. Um, you you, know, you want to control the game. You know, it's, it's a complimentary game. Um, obviously the longer you possess the ball, the other teams off the field, your defense stays fresh, you know, get off to a quick start, particularly at home. You get the crowd into it. You know, I thought what the most important thing the Bucks did a week ago was they took the opening drive. They were patient. I think it took like 13, 12, 13 plays and they stuck it in the end zone. And that was a statement, right? That was like, Hmm, here we are. Right. Uh, and when you got teams sort of, chasing the lead like that especially if you're the road team um you know and 
a home crowd is into it because they've done something big and early in the game. It's hard to overcome that. And I, I think that's the best thing um, that, that the Bucks can do is, you know, is get off to a fast start. Now, yeah, they did put pressure on Brady because I think he was having to throw the ball. He wasn't throwing it quick. You know, the quick game, the up-tempo, you know, Bruce Arians did a couple things these last couple games. He went no huddle. And he went no huddle not just because you can keep the defense from from substituting and you tire out those big guys up, up front. You tire out Aaron Donald. You tire out, you know, Von Miller because it can't get off the field. But if you can move the chains in a no huddle situation, you know, what Arian said is he goes, we went back and did some self-study and it's like basically our best drives are when we're up-tempo for whatever reason, you know. Guys have to get a little more alert. You know, Tom's calling the plays from the line of scrimmage. Uh, they can't change the defense that much. So whatever that thing is, that's what they've done these last two games to start it. I would suspect they'll do it again um, until it blows up in their face, until you go three and out and in about 46 seconds runs off the clock. But I would expect them to come out and try to have some tempo again. And, um, you know, they're still going to have to protect Tom, but their team is not as much vertical anymore. Uh, it's Brady getting the ball out of his hands. It's running the football, the occasional play-action pass. Look for Mike Evans if he's in man-to-man, which he probably will be with Jalen Ramsey, although that's a hell of a matchup uh, against Jalen. And, you know, um, get the you know distribute the ball, and that's, that's what they'll do. So, um, again, I don't know. They have a great defensive front. They have the player of the year in Aaron Donald. He's going to be a handful for Alex Kappa and – you know, Jensen's already got a bad ankle and, you know, Marpet's going to have to help and everybody's going to have to try to find a way to keep Aaron Donald from wrecking the game. You have to hope that Tristan Wirfs or somebody holds up at right tackle against the Von Millers of the world or the, uh, you know, uh, the Leonard Floyds or whatever. But, um, you know, just they'll have a game plan for that. I mean, I think it's an advantage in some ways that the Bucks have played the Rams. And I think it's an advantage that, you know, they're, you're not going to do the same thing. Like the Rams might do exactly the same thing and say, "Hey, you know, workforce out there in LA, why not do it here again?" Um, but I think I think the Bucks are going to have a different plan because they have different personnel than they did back then. And you know, it'll be exciting to see just what they come out with. All right, this one may be more of a comment than a question, but Paul had uh, emailed. I see why now we have so many injuries on this team. A JV high school team would have Tristan Wirfs in the locker room with ice on that ankle right now. Pathetic times ten. He is sitting pouting on the bench when he needs treatment. I don't know. I don't know about the pouting part. I think they took him to the blue tent. I'm not sure. You know, they have that thing where you're, you know they don't want people to see you working on him or whatnot. Um, it was clearly a sprained ankle, maybe a severely sprained ankle, and they would have checked to make sure that there was no fracture in there. Um, you know, pain tolerance to some extent. Sure, is it going to hold up? That's that's. It's hard to test it, right? Um, I understand the question or the comment. I do. You know, the one the one that I didn't get was, you know, Chris Godwin tore his ACL. Generally speaking, and I'm not I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to get tell anybody their business, but usually, you know, when you check the stability of the knee after an injury like that, you can feel uh whether it's a torn ACL or not, you might not know, but you can feel that there's some instability there. Um you know, I think, you know, they they didn't put him back in the game, but they certainly were testing it. It's just sort of the – it's a little bit of the nature of the NFL and, and of that position. I mean, Ryan Jensen had a similarly sprained ankle and it might be the toughest – I'm not saying that Worfs isn't tough, 
they were different injuries, but you know, Jensen managed to stay in there and, and it probably hurt like hell. Now he doesn't have to worry about trying to block an edge rusher. He's got help on either side of him with a guard. Um, you know, so it's, it's not the same setup. It's not the same speed of an athlete that he's having to, to protect. So it's a lot harder for a guy like Wirfs, but you know, I, I think if you can go as a starting player in this league, even if you're injured during the game, if you can go and they, they're fairly confident and you're not going to do more damage to it, um, then they're going to give you a chance. And that's what they did. What they found out is that he just simply wasn't going to hold up. And if you can't hold up, now you're going to get somebody else hurt. Now you're going to get your quarterback hit. So he went in for one play, uh, got beaten for a sack, ankle didn't hold up, they took him out. And then he was in a walking boot, I guess, on Monday. They'll treat that thing. You know, the great thing about ankles, if it's just a sprain, and I say just a sprain because it's not my ankle, but you literally can treat that thing 20, 22 hours a day between, you know, the ice, uh, the, the hot, uh, you know, the compress, the elevation, you know, uh, all that stuff, lifting weights, trying to strengthen those ligaments, um, you know, and, and right up into and, and, and including – um, a shot if you need it to try to numb it up a little bit and see if you can get through a game uh, playing on a bad wheel. But he's going to have to be mobile enough to set up and, and protect Tom. You know, if he, if he can't protect, forget about protecting himself, but he can't protect the quarterback, then it does you no good just to say you got Tristan Wirfs out there. So uh, we won't know. That's one of those I think, you know, he, he probably will not practice at all this week. Um, may not see him until warm-ups before the game on Sunday. Uh, if he's a game time decision or if they don't rule him out before that. Um, but you know, I, I, I understand the perception and, and, and like, I've had that problem too. Like, you know, I, I think Rob Gronkowski might've gone back out in that game in, against the Rams. I'd have to check that, but we now know he had a partially punctured lung. That's very dangerous. So the doctors do the best they can. They don't want to put a guy in, in more harm's way. Um, but you know, if you can go, and you're not going to do further damage to whatever you just hurt, um, and, you, and you can tolerate the pain, they're going to give you the chance to play. All right, Ghost Snarf had tweeted, Please answer correctly. When the Bucks activate Leonard Fournette, which running back goes? Could it be Rojo to IR? Well, the problem with putting Rojo on IR is you're saying that he's not going to play for the rest of the playoffs It's because that's going to be a minimum of three games. I think right now, as far as the rosters uh, go, You'd have to look and say, okay, you know, do we need Le'Veon Bell? Um, Le'Veon Bell was on this roster. He did not play in the game at all this past week, in part because you didn't want to get him hurt and then, you know, somebody else, because before you know it, you don't have any running backs. So they kind of held him out to make sure that they didn't lose either Giovanni Bernard, who was coming off an injury, or Keyshawn Vaughn. And so he was a little bit like their insurance, if you will. Um, But let's be honest, Le'Veon Bell hasn't done anything in this league for a while. Uh, he was with three teams, I think, in this past year. And uh, while he had a touchdown cast, catch, you know, in the final game against Carolina, you know, they're not, they're not hoping that he has to play a big role. And so because Keyshawn has played really, really well, because Giovanni is back and did a nice job, uh, I always subscribe to the, you know, last guy in, first guy out sort of modem. And if they do want to, uh, you know, get rid of a running back or – move one to the practice squad or whatnot, I would think it would be Bell. It wouldn't be Keyshawn. It certainly wouldn't be Bernard. Um, you know, they've also had Ken John Bar- Varner that they've had up for a couple of weeks doing some returns and 
sort of being an emergency running back if they needed him. So special teams would would play into that as well because we know that Vaughn has done a nice job on special teams when they needed him to. But my guess, um, as far as being inactive or perhaps released and brought back down a practice squad or whatnot, uh, would probably be Le'Veon Bell. Jeff tweeted us, Rick, has the Bucks' defense turned it on for the playoffs, or was their wild card game's defense an artifact of playing an inferior team? Well, I, I mean, there's always a little of both, right? Um, but I think the biggest thing was they had their guys, you know. Um, somebody asked me this the other day, like, wow, the defense looked a lot better. It's like, well, because they're playing with their players, you know. Uh, in the NFL, like any football, it's about it's about the, the you know the dudes, right? As as Matt Baker likes to say, and their dudes are Shaquille Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, Levante David. You can't, you don't have those guys sitting around to replace similar guys. You know, like it's not like, well, we lost Levante, so let's bring in Kevin Minter because he's just like Levante. No, he's not. And even though Minter, you know, will do the best job he can and be a be you know a fill in um, when you need him and hope he holds up, uh, you know, even Levante not at a hundred percent, he wasn't clear till Saturday. Is still Levante David. He's been in those fires. He brought a calm to that defensive huddle. He brought experience. He he made Devin White just absolutely turn and be Devin White again and go and not have to worry about you know making a mistake or. Um, you know, overanalyzing things or whatnot, uh, trying to communicate stuff, you know. And, and Shaq Barrett, while he was on a pitch count, I mean, we saw the athleticism that this guy brings. He's really good against the run, probably a better run player than people realize. We know he can rush the passer. And the, I think the greatest thing I saw was him leap with a bad wheel, you know, a bad knee, sprained knee and a knee brace, and tip the ball to himself, intercept it. And then the return was even more encouraging because he looked pretty damn healthy doing that. He wanted to take it to the house. So, you know, JPP is not himself and hasn't been since he, you know, injured that shoulder. He's playing with a torn rotator cuff. But you know what? He was out there with the fire. He was able to set the edge. He was able to, to slow some running backs and, and, and corral uh, a pretty mobile quarterback a few times. And even more importantly, when those guys are playing, now the guys behind them that have been starting, like Anthony Nelson, who – you know, has had an off-the-chain year in terms of production with sacks and the amount of snaps he's played. And guy like Joe Tryon Shoinka, who had a sack the other day. I mean, now those guys are your rotational guys. So if you need to give Shaq Barrett or give JPP a couple of plays off or a series off, those guys are fresh and they've played and they've been productive as starters for a couple of games. So you're just deeper, you're just better. But it's really, it's really just the familiarity. And for the first time, if Sean Murphy Bunting comes back this week, this, uh, this will be the first game, the first game of the season where their 11 starting players on defense are in the lineup. It's incredible because they didn't have 11 on the first day against Dallas. Then Murphy Bunting got hurt. And since then, it hasn't come close to being the same 11. But this could be the first game. And so health is so important. We saw what the defense did during the stretch a year ago. They got the turnovers again the other day, um, you know, and if they can continue that and build on that, um, that's what they need. That's what the Bucks need. You need your guys back together. It's a huge emotional lift. It looks like they all came through the game okay, and um, I would I would think you just see more and more of them. But um, yeah, I, I I I you know obviously the Eagles are not the Rams. We've talked about how they wouldn't have made the playoffs in in previous years. 
Um, we talked about Jalen Hurts not being that experienced. But it's still an NFL team, and it, it was a really good start. They'll have a much bigger challenge this week, but I I think you'd be very encouraged that that defense has that look about itself and the pedigree, and they know how to get this done. They have done this before. You know, they have played good receivers like Tyreek Hill and won. They've played good quarterbacks um, like Aaron Rodgers and won. Um, and this time it's at home. So no need to, to, to be, you know, too concerned. I, I, I would be encouraged by the way the defense played. All right, Craig had tweeted us. What is the logic for Bruce Arians and his staff? They were up 17-0, got an INT. Philly has two timeouts. The Bucks run the ball, then call a timeout, giving the ball back to Philly. Luckily, Bradley Pinion had a great punt. It was a real shame the defense had to play another snap in the first half. Does Bruce Arians' game management worry you? I think sometimes at the end of halves, you know, um, and I think I want to I want to say that Philly was going to get the ball um, to start the second half, I believe. And so you 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 know you want to do enough to to prevent that two for one, right? When you lose the coin toss and the other team defers, it the the, the analytics tell us that they're probably going to get a shot to have the last possession of the first half and the first possession of the second half. And we saw the Bucks do that. Um, what was it, against Carolina in the final game where they scored a touchdown in the final two-minute situation and came out, scored a touchdown again, game over. And so you don't want that, that situation. So when you get the ball back, you're trying to run out the final few minutes um, of, the, of, of the game, of the, of, you know, of the half. And so they run the ball. You want to run a little clock, and then you go, okay, well, if we can get a first down. Then, then we can keep this thing going. So you call timeout, and then you don't get the first down, and now you look stupid because you've given Philly the ball back with more time than you wanted to, and they can go the two for one route. But it, you know, what you don't want to do there is you don't want to turn the ball over. Uh, you want to get out of the half with a lead. I mean, seventeen to nothing is a pretty good lead. Um, you know, so you just can't make a mistake. But it's a situational, you know, part of situational football that they work on. Uh, where you're kind of caught in between, where you, you know you want to use clock, you don't want to give them the ball back with any time if you don't score, um, but you also want to try to score uh, if you can. And I, I just think sometimes Bruce and I've seen other teams do it too. They get they get stuck. You know, they hey, if we can make a first down, if we can get um, you know across the fifty, like you know, when do you push put on the gas and when do you just try to try to wind clock and and, and limit the amount of time that the other team can have the ball at the end of the half. It's, it's a, I, I don't think they did a great job with it. Uh, at the end of the day, it didn't cost them. And, you know, they ended up with a 31 to nothing lead. So I just don't think this is a game necessarily to pick nits. But there have been times when, you know, when Bruce uh, and his staff have not been on, you know, been, been on top of it with, with respect to clock management. But uh, I know what they were trying to do. They just didn't execute their offense. Folks, it's time for one of the best events this time of year, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. It's set on the downtown streets, of course, of the Sunshine City in St. Pete. 8th Annual Grand Prix, as a matter of fact, uh, sponsored and presented by RP Funding. It kicks off Florida's spring break season with high-speed excitement. Please visit gpstpete.com, gpstpete.com, for race information and tickets. Another racing season starts right here. Beautiful St. Petersburg, Florida. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. All right, Jim and Terry had both reached out to us. And their questions are very similar. So Jim had asked, are there internal talks mm-hmm. about Byron Leftwich or Todd Bowles taking over for Bruce Arians if he retires after this year? Well, if they were internal, then we wouldn't know about them. Um, <laughs> listen, I think there's always talks. And at what level, how serious and all of that. I, right now, of course, you know, even though I, I think uh, Todd Bowles is going to do some interviewing on Friday and then Saturday, of course, Sunday he's going to coach in the divisional playoff game. Some of these interviews are virtual, et cetera. Um, right now, you know, it, it, it's it's a funny thing because if you're if you're Bruce Arians, you're pulling like hell for your guys to get hired, right? Like you want Byron Leftwich to get an opportunity, you want Todd Bowles to get an opportunity, but you want them to get the right opportunity, you know. And the right opportunity may or may not be the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know. Um, it may or may not be the Minnesota Vikings. And, uh, you know, if they if they get selected and they have an opportunity to be one of those coaches and they think it's a good chance for them, then you're happy for them to take it. You have to focus on sort of how do you replace those guys, right? Um, with respect to B.A. and internal talks about one of them taking his spot, I think that's a little harder thing to plan because – you know, one, like I said, are they even going to be on the staff when B.A. retires? I, here's what I think I think, as Peter King would say. I I think that B.A. is going to coach next season. Uh, I I tend to believe that Tom Brady is going to be the quarterback. If I had to guess, B.A. will coach as long as Tom Brady is the quarterback. And if Brady's not the quarterback, I still think B.A. will coach next season. So win or lose, uh, no matter what Tom does, I think I think Arians is back personally. So, and there's no other reason to, to dispute that. Now, do you tell a guy, you know, this? they could have decided or could decide if they wanted to that, hey, we've got a head coach in waiting. When B.A.'s done, it's going to be this guy. Well, which one do you choose, right? And, and how does the other guy react to it? Um, I think it has to happen organically. I think if and when the time comes that B.A. decides I'm done, then the Bucks are going to look at their staff the way they would look at any other coaching situation and say, is there a guy on our staff we'd like to be the head coach? Um, I just don't think they're going to have a, a coach-in-waiting situation, you know, um, because I, I I think it puts pressure on B.A. To, to finish up, to wrap it up, you know, like, hey, get out of the way so this guy can be the new head coach. And then the other thing is, who are guys listening to, you know? I mean, if you are you listening to the guy that's going to take B.A.'s job that coaches you on defense that you have a little bit, you know, more inside knowledge about and a little more relationship, or are you listen to the guy that's on his way out. Um, I, I just don't think it's good to announce your retirement if you want to be effective. And, um, and I don't see BA doing that. Um, but you know, if it gets to that and either Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich are still on the staff, you can believe that one of those guys would be a really good candidate to replace him. If they want to keep the rest of the coaching staff intact. And why wouldn't you? Because it's a really good staff that BA's put together and BA would be thrilled 
for one of his guys, and he's got a bunch of them. It's not just B. It's not just Byron, and it's not just Todd Bowles. I mean, there's a bunch of guys on that staff that he's worked with, some for 40 years, and some for the last couple of years. But he loves them all, and he wants to see them all grow and develop. And um, you know, if it's not Leftwich or if it's not Bowles, it could be somebody else. All right, Freddie had tweeted us: Should Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich get a head coaching job? Who is the next coordinator up? All right, so. You know, there's always a guy behind a guy, right? And you want to develop these coaches, and, and, and you got to have a plan. You have a plan if Byron Leftwich leaves. You have a plan if Tom Bowles leaves. Um, if Byron Leftwich were to leave, the next defensive coordinator is going to be Larry Foote. Uh, they're outside linebackers coach. Um, you know, he's played, obviously, for the Steelers, uh, coached with B.A. in several places. I, I think B.A. sees him. Uh, from an X's and O's standpoint, he's, he's worked with Bowles. Um, I think he sees him as the next guy, you know, like bright minds, ready for the job. Because it's hard to compare him to Todd Bowles because he's not done it. But that, to me, Larry Foote is the guy that um, will earn that that job. The offensive coordinator is not as clear cut because you have Harold Goodwin, who's your assistant head coach. He doesn't coach a position per se as a run game coordinator. Um, you have Clyde Christensen, who's a quarterback coach that has been an offensive coordinator before. Uh, you have Kevin Garber, the wide receivers coach that they really, really like. Good friend of Byron Leftwich's. He may go with Leftwich. Who knows? The guy that that uh, that BA wants to develop that really sees him as a, a star, like you know, in in the way he sees Leftwich, is Thad Lewis, who's the uh, currently the assistant wide receivers coach. But Thad Lewis was a quarterback at Duke. And he, he has played um, on practice squads in, 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 in his NFL career. He's been with like seven different organizations. And you go, wow, that's like not a really great career. Well, it's a great place to begin your coaching career when you think about it because he got to see how seven different organizations ran their offense, the head coaching, the, you know, the, the, just the whole, you know, and, and, and he gets the big picture. You know, I think as an offensive play caller, um, you know, if, if you're, if you're a quarterback, you're a passing guy, it's like, Oh, I'm all about passing the football. If you're a run coordinator or a run guy, it's like, well, I know how to run the football and I'm a big run guy. Um, I think Lewis sees the big picture. I think he sees how the offense complements the defense and how to win games. Um, and so his, his experience at quarterback, you know, again, wasn't the quarterback in the NFL the way left, which was played the position at Duke, played the position uh, you know, in the NFL with a bunch of different teams, absorbed a lot from those teams, from those experiences. That's surprisingly, I think people would be surprised that um, that's the guy that, uh, that I think Bruce Arians want to spend a lot of time with this year, grooming in case Byron were to go. All right, that wraps it up for today. But a couple notes on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Steven Stamkos voted in as the last men in vote yeah. to the all-star game so yeah you got headman you got vasileski and stamkos going to represent the lightning at the all-star game in las vegas this year in just a couple weeks beautiful and we're taping this just as the lightning kings game is getting set to drop the puck in los angeles the lightning are playing with four defensemen tonight they only have four healthy defensemen. four mm-hmm Zach Bogosian's out a few weeks. Eric Chernak's still out. Jan Ruda's out. So Victor Hedman's going to get 35 minutes tonight, maybe? No, as you're hearing this podcast, the game will be over already. But 
That's crazy. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. I've seen teams do five before. I don't remember. I'm sure it's happened, but I don't remember recently seeing a team go with four defense, healthy defensemen. Mm. So they'll clearly they'll have to bring somebody up, right? I mean, on this road trip because they got through two more games in, in well, California. Well, maybe unless Ruda and Chernak can come back, you got a couple off days until the next game Friday. Uh, but there's also cap implications of bringing somebody up too, and they're right up against the cap, so they've got to worry about that as well. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do and how long injuries to Chir- to to Ruda and Chernak are. We know Bogosian's out two to three weeks. So, and Rick, over the weekend we missed this, but uh, Champa Bay continues. The USF co-ed cheer team repeating as national champions. So, back to back for the national USF co-ed champions. Cheers. That's fantastic. That's crazy. I mean, that is such a competitive thing, right? And they're so athletic, and mm-hmm. the you know the the whole synchronizing and all of that. I mean, to be national champions with all the all the Division One uh, cheer squads and things that uh, uh, that they have around the country, that's that's fantastic. That's a lot of great work for those guys. And um, good for the Bulls. We like that. Champa Bay. Absolutely. Another trophy. They need one. Um, just a reminder, uh, the 18th Annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete presented by RP Funding. It happens February 25th to the 27th. One of the best events anywhere, folks. You want to make sure you go see them race in the Sunshine City all around uh, the Bayfront and the waterfront there in the downtown streets. Albert Witted Airport's just a great track. So go visit gpstpete.com for race information and tickets. My good friend from the L.A. Times, Sam Farmer, is going to join us this week. Unbelievable. Talk about the Rams, little Tom Brady. Good friends of Bruce Arians as well. So we'll have Sam Farmer on uh, the podcast, which is always entertaining. And then we'll get you ready for Bucks versus the Rams in the NFC Divisional Championship at Raymond James Stadium with a chance to play for the NFC title again, uh, possibly in Green Bay. We'll know by Sunday whether it's going to be in Green Bay or right here, uh, perhaps in Tampa. So it uh, should be exciting. Appreciate the questions. We'll get back to more of those. If we didn't answer your question, don't worry. We'll get to it this week. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 